Well, in 25 years of ministry, in 25 years of ministry, I've never experienced anything like this. This is strange. Um, even so, it is well with our souls. Is that not true, beloved? Uh, we are grateful to God for what he has done for sinners like us. Let's pray before, before we begin. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to recognize that this book that we look into is indeed a record of the things that you have revealed to us, to men and women, to your children, to your people, for the sake of their souls. We ask that you would teach us, that your spirit would move upon our hearts to understand, and not only understand, but to, to live according to the things that you have commanded us here in your word. This is the law of Christ. We pray, Father, that you would help us, you would grant us the grace to live according to it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to uh, begin in verse 10. This is, uh, several people have asked me if I was going to preach tonight. Uh, this is uh, probably not going to be a, a preachy sort of uh, lesson. This is going to be more, I told Trail, it's going to be more like a glorified Bible study. Um, let's look at chapter 6 of Ephesians. We're gonna, going to continue uh, our study there. And uh, we're going to be looking particularly at verses 14 through 18. But I want to back up to verse 10 just to uh, remind you of what's already been taught and in order to uh, get the context of what we're going to be looking at. So verse 10, Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And we'll stop there. Paul begins this section that we just read with word finally. He's closing out his letter to the Ephesian believers. And he wants to leave them with this word that they should protect themselves in the midst of a spiritual conflict. 
you'll notice that he says to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces. In this text, he does not make a case. He, he doesn't have to prove that believers are in the midst of a conflict. He, he doesn't address that at all. He doesn't have to make the case that we're in a conflict with spiritual forces. He doesn't need to because his audience is in the midst of that. Uh, they all know that. They know that the, that the Christian life is a battle, is a, a conflict. And consequently, because we're in a battle, we have to protect ourselves from attack. And thankfully, God has given us certain things in order for us to be able to protect ourselves in the midst of this conflict that we're in. And you'll notice also in verse 11, he says that we have to do this in order to stand against the schemes of the devil. Uh, that's a rather strong statement, schemes of the devil. And he's not talking about flesh and blood. He's not talking about people. He's not talking about governments. He's not talking about uh, those sorts of human things, but he's talking about spiritual conflict which come out of the devil's own scheming. Now, I don't know what you think of, the of when you hear the word scheming. Um, I told someone earlier today, I don't, I don't think that I'm a conspiracy theorist. But every once in a while, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder about certain things that are going on and why this is happening and this, you know, the, the, the whole Illuminati thing going on. No, I, I don't believe in all of that stuff. But there is a conspiracy going on from Satan himself against the people of God constantly. He is conspiring. He's scheming. He is... Uh, earlier in the, in the Gospels, we read that it was the, the uh, Pharisees who plotted against the Lord Jesus in order to kill him. That same sort of plotting is going on even now with Satan, with, with the devil, uh, heading up that, that plotting against us. So it's, it's not a, a wrestling, a, a fighting, a conflict with people. But with those powers that work behind the scenes, unseen powers. Notice it says we wrestle, and again that's assumed. It's assumed that there's a wrestling, a fighting, a conflict, a battle going on. If you're a believer, you're in a battle. You have an enemy. He is against you, and he is scheming and plotting so that he can bring you down, draw you into sin, or, or bring you into conflict with your own brothers and sisters. That's taking place. So how do we, how do we guard against rulers, authorities? The ESV uses the phrase cosmic powers over this present 
darkness that we live in, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. If these things are not flesh and blood, then how do we fight against them? Or how do, rather do we guard ourselves against them? We can't see them coming, but we know that they're there. Well, the whole armor of God is how we defend against these things. He uses the phrase twice that we should take on the whole armor of God so that we're not vulnerable by neglecting one part or, or another of, of our defenses. And notice that this is all defensive except for the sword of the Spirit. Well, what, what is the purpose of armor? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't attack people with armor. <laughs> armor is to protect you from people who are attacking you. It, it is not an offensive thing, but a defensive uh, thing. And so we put this on in order to defend ourselves from spiritual enemies. Um, then in verse 14, he says, Stand therefore, having taken on the whole armor of God, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having on, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And then he continues. If you have attended a Bible preaching church for any, any period of time, you have probably heard a message from this text. Uh, it is a very popular text. It's one that uh, is apparently very easy for many people to preach because it is so uh, illustrative of the Christian battle the Christian conflict, the Christian wrestling. Uh, it's easy to see what Paul is talking about here. We've seen illustrations of Roman soldiers with helmets and breastplates and shields and, and the, the, the whole outfit. And in most of the sermons that I've heard on this text, there's a lot of time spent on the particular pieces of armor and what they protect. And it is my opinion, and it's just an opinion, but I've come to believe that we sometimes miss the forest for the trees. That we lose sight of the big picture here while we're looking at too many particulars. Here's what's going on. You're a believer. You are in a conflict. You're, a con you're in a conflict against enemies that you cannot see and that are probably smarter than you. How do we defend against such an enemy? What do we do? Well, we can armor, put on protective gear, as it were, not by putting on a helmet or a, a breastplate or a belt, but by putting on the things that those pieces represent. N don't get caught up in the pieces of armor, but let's look at what they are supposed to represent in the Christian's life. For instance, in verse 14, stand therefore, 
with truth. Truth is like a belt. We, we start there. We have to start with the truth of the gospel. These things are true. Uh, we are attacked primarily, I believe, we're attacked by Satan just as it was in the garden. He wants to deceive. He wants to lead us astray. He wants to cause us to believe things that are not true. And so we begin the first Thing that we use in order to defend ourselves against this plotting and scheming of these spiritual powers is truth. Jesus said of, in his high priestly prayer, thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. Not just true, but it is truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. We have access as believers to truth, to what is true about God, about ourselves, about sin, about how we have a right relationship with God, what we have to do in order to have that. And it's this truth that serves as a protection for us against our spiritual enemy. The second thing is righteousness. We, Paul uses this illustration and he says, put it on. Put on righteousness. Set aside the word breastplate for a second and just think putting on righteousness. Righteousness protects us. An awareness of our own righteous standing before God is a protection against the schemes the lies of Satan. When we trust the Lord Jesus, when we come to him in faith, and when he saves us, we come to him primarily for the purpose of having our sins forgiven. That is the issue. That is the problem that has to be dealt with in order for us to be right with God. Romans 12, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, then there is condemnation. You are under the wrath of God. But the person who has trusted Christ, who has come to believe in him, has had his sins forgiven. Jesus has served as his substitute. The Father has punished him in your place. And so you are as though you have never sinned. You are considered in the sight of God to be righteous. And also for the believer, he is empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a righteous life. Now we don't trust in our own righteousness, but we trust in our standing before God as being righteous because he has made us so. And that's one of the truths that we have to believe we, we have to cling to what we know to be true. And this serves as a defense against the devil himself. The third thing, verse 15, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace, that's a peculiar phrase. But the gospel brings peace between us and God. 
In other words, we've been reconciled to God. There is no conflict between us and God. There's no wrestling now between us and the Father. Those sins have been forgiven. We are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's by means of, the, of, of believing the gospel that we have peace with him and we can live in this peace, in this dark world. There is no longer any conflict with God. Now, what Satan wants to do is convince you that there is conflict between you and God, that God is not happy with you, that you really messed up, that God's angry, that what you did was more than grace can handle. You have, you have fallen away from grace. You are no longer in the family. Now, now you've, you've, lost, you've lost it all. No, that is not true. We have been declared righteous in the sight of God by God himself. It's God who has declared us to be righteous. And Satan cannot do anything, nor can we do anything to undo the work that the Lord Jesus has done for us so that we might be declared righteous in God's sight. We have to remember these things. The gospel of peace. We live in peace with God because of the righteousness that has been given to us. Then in 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. The, the opposite of faith is unbelief. Unbelief. When we doubt God, when we question God, when we are tempted, and that's one of the, the I suppose that's the oldest scheme of the devil, is to cause us to question, cause us to doubt, cause us to not believe what God has said. That's the end, that's the end of faith and the beginning of not trusting God. If, there's, if, if Satan can get us to not trust God, he has won the battle. The shield of faith. We're tempted to, to believe bad things about God when things are going poorly, right? Why did God let this happen to me? Woe is me. I've lost my job. My kids are sick. Uh, my, my, my checkbook looks awful. Uh, on and on and on. There are, there are a myriad of things that cause us sometimes to wonder, okay, why is God, why is God doing this to me? God, God must be, he must not be keeping his word. Wrong. Trust God. Have faith. When we trust God in the face of onslaught, in the face of, of the darts that come our way, it's faith that stops them all. We trust God no matter what. Someone told me a story recently about a friend that they had who had been mar married for many, many years to a man. The lady was a believer and her husband was not. And she and many of her friends prayed for this man for many, many years that the Lord, that the Lord would save her husband. And for decades... And then finally, her husband died, and he was not a believer. 
And the question was asked, what does that do to your theology? How does that make you feel about God? And this question was asked of me. And I said, is God good? Is, is there something wrong with God that this happened to this woman? No. No. There's nothing wrong with God. Whatever happens to us, God is good. He, is, he, he loves his own. He cares for his children. And we plant the flag there. So that when we are attacked by this enemy who wants us to not believe God, we, we throw up faith as a shield. I trust you, Lord. I believe what you've said. I believe your word. I believe that it's true. I believe the truth that you've given me here in your word. I believe the gospel. And then finally, verse, well, not finally, almost finally, 17. Take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. How often do you meditate on your own salvation? I, I hear testimonies from people who talk about how um, their life was a mess and then they came to Jesus and it gave them purpose and meaning and turned their life around. That may happen in salvation, but that's not salvation. Salvation is when a, a guilty sinner is forgiven of his sins based upon the work of Christ in their place. That's salvation. That's the gospel. All, all of these are, are interwoven with each other. They're, they're not really different. They're all connected. They're all connected together. And when you take them all, they form an impenetrable resistance to the enemy of our souls who is scheming, who is plotting to bring us down. And so we cling to these things. Many of you have spoken to me on numerous occasions and you say, well, how are you doing? That's standard, standard greeting, right? How are you doing? And on numerous occasions I've said, well, I'm still saved. Now every time I sin, I try to get out of it, but God hangs on to me and I don't know why. But I'm still saved because God has promised to keep me for himself. This salvation is not for the weekend. It's not a temporary eternal life. It's eternal life that he's given me and I'm his forever. We need to meditate on these things because it serves to protect us from lies, from deceit. And then finally, the sword of the spirit which is the Word of God. And many have made much of the fact that this is the only offensive part of the Roman soldier's armor. Technically, it's not armor. It's, it's an arm. You wear the armor, but you carry this arm called a sword. That's the defensive weapon. Now, if that was good enough for Jesus, how did Jesus fight Satan? When Satan takes Jesus out into the wilderness and says... I, Turn the, you're hungry? Turn these stones into bread. And he quotes scripture. Jump off the, the pinnacle of the temple and let his angels bear you up. And he quotes scripture. 
If, if this was Jesus' own defense against Satan, then if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us, right? Use the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Study the Word of God. And then, now, finally, finally, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. All of this is accompanied by a praying spirit. We pray to God to deliver us from evil, don't we? The disciples said, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. And he said, you can pray, our Father, deliver us from evil. So it's this, these spiritual truths that Paul illustrates for us by means of Roman armor that protect us from spiritual enemies. They are a spiritual defense against a spiritual enemy. And then on top of that, we have the Word of God and prayer. And this is how we live in this present darkness, in the midst of this conflict, in a way that allows us to stand, to stand in the evil day. And we should thank the Lord for, for providing us with these things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these verses and how Paul uses these things to illustrate to us that we are not defenseless. Though we may be sheep who are often seen as defenseless and weak, being your sheep, we are, we are not left defenseless. You have given us these things so that we might be protected from those ravenous wolves, from, from Satan, from those who would seek to draw us away from you. And so we thank you. We pray that you would grant us the grace to bring these things to mind on a regular basis so that we might be found faithful in walking with the Lord following hard after him in the conflicts that we face on a regular basis because we're your children. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.